0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Gearheads know that some projects need so many parts, it feels like you need a whole storage unit just to store them. That's what eBay Motors 122 million parts are for. Think of it as your virtual parts garage. They've always got the right fitment at the right prices. Use the eBay Motors app or visit eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. It's
2: the weekly show here on the Blue Room. We are live on YouTube, of course. We are also coming to you in podcast form as well. Uh, Dave Downey joins us just on time. I uh, thought he was going to make one of his scheduled late arrivals, but he is here uh, just in time for the start of the show. Uh, also joining me, Sarah Halpin and Pete McFarlane. Uh, and it's very much FA Cup final fever this week for the Toffees. Uh, we we're speaking a little bit there, Sarah, before we, we came on the podcast, and you were saying that. I think you said every time you think about the FA Cup final, you feel like crying.
3: <laughs> yeah, and not in the way that that might sound as uh, dreary as it might sound. I, I feel emotional with uh, with with pride and with excitement, and just yeah, it doesn't feel real. We talk about the fact that yeah, we're going to Wembley and we're in a final, but when I actually sit and go bloody hell yeah we're going to Wembley and we're in an FA Cup final it kind of makes me just lose my head a bit so yeah very much uh, looking forward to it feel a bit sick with nerves as well but hopefully it will be a, a tremendous occasion and hopefully we'll we'll bring the trophy home as well
2: yeah Pete you followed this team for for a long time as well how, how are you feeling about it mate you know
0: four or five days away now Nervous, but but confidence. To be honest with you, I mean the, the the football that we're playing at the moment is absolutely superb, as good as I've seen over the past over the past two or three seasons. So, um, although Man City is a huge test, you know they've, they've got a, you know a squad full of internationals and squad full of stars. I still feel that that with the quality we've got and the players we've got, we've got every every reason to be optimistic and. I just hope that we, we can go out there and show show what we can do. Um, I hope, mm. hope the players step up to it. And I've got no doubt that they will. To be honest, um, they're a really great group of players um, and a really fantastic, you know, really talented group of players as well. So, yeah, I'm confident.
2: Yeah, exciting times. Yeah, before we get into speaking about how we, we think the game might go and various other things around the, the women's team at the moment, um, of course, we'll have a chat about the lads going to Newcastle as well a little bit later on in the show. Uh, just before, again, before we came on, uh, Dave, I was speaking to to Sarah and Pete, and I was sort of saying that the, the closer we get to this game, the more sort of staggered and, 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 you know, sort of a little bit angry, to be honest, I am, that this game hasn't got its own slot going into the weekend, you know, it's, it's half past two on a Sunday, you know, and, it, and I, I appreciate that there's a lot of scheduling issues going on, I appreciate this, the circumstances to take into account here, and it's... It's not going to be like a, a usual FA Cup final, given mm. the lack of fans there and the fact that you know it's, it's effectively to be last season's, isn't it? Put put into the middle of a new season, but surely this match should have had its its own its own schedule and certainly not at the same time that Everton's men's team are playing, because it just feels like a a bit of a slap in the face. And you know, whenever Sarah has been army spoken about the, the strides that the women's game has made and how more and more people are watching it, more and more people are covering it, but it just feels especially stupid in my opinion to have this game at the time it is with the lads playing at the same time
1: Well I think in, in football we're
2: seeing at the moment Matt, uh, certainly the organisers of it uh,
1: the broadcasters uh, I think everybody really is is guilty of this to a certain extent and obviously so much more than others in how football is consumed by us as, as the fans and, and sadly the, the WSL um, You know, the, the women's game is no different uh, at the moment and like you say I think Firstly, we need to pay an immense credit to the people who've got this game to where it is, the state that it's in, um, which is very good. Uh, everything is on an upward trajectory. And I, I think women's football is here to stay. Uh, I don't think, you know, the, the best efforts a global pandemic could throw at the women's game, particularly in our country, couldn't couldn't weigh late to what we want it to be going forward. And I still think that it's still on a and a really powerful curve uh, and, and something that we'll see grow every single year. We've seen the influx of huge world stars into the, into the women's game in this country, and um, there's an understanding now that this is the place to be uh, if you want to join a, a, a dynamic, sort of forward thinking women's uh, football uh, pyramid scheme in the uh, pyramid scheme. Pyramid in the uh, in the <laughs> going to say, what are you going to try and sell here? I know. Yeah, well, that's it. And I suppose it is a selling game, isn't it, Matt? Because we've heard the news, which Pete will uh, speak about a bit later in terms of investment in, in the women's game. And um, there was a guy we had on, on Team Talk Radio over the summer called Tim Stillman, who's well in at Arsenal uh, and covers a lot of their ladies' games. And he, he was talking about how the relatively small financial commitment clubs have to make in order to make a real go of their women's sides. And, and it seems like Everton have really bitten that have decided to try and take that on and uh, if you look at the, the financial progress today obviously as well as a huge shot in the arm um, and Everton are now a success in, in this league they're a powerhouse in this league and one that I think everybody else is looking over the shoulder at or up above that now when you talk about how that broadcaster's fit in and, and trying to, to put the ladies game on a pedestal, the FA Cup final, the biggest trophy domestically uh, as it should be for the men but we've seen what's happened to that in recent years and yeah, it's, it feels to me very frustrating that we see, in this position right now, Matt, we see the women's game sort of, you know, it feels as if nobody who's organising this has really gone the whole way, the whole nine yards, and given it the full treatment of a cup final day. i tell you what, I think there's a lot of fans of the, man, uh, the men's game who would say the FA Cup's lost its magic. Everybody remembers the traditions of years gone by and how we build up to the showpiece event in the domestic calendar. Well, there's, there's absolutely no reason why that can't be the case in the women's game. You know, we, we, we should be able to have those traditions. We should be able to have those days, those events, everything around it. You know, Sarah, all of them front and centre in, in promoting this game as they do so wonderfully well um, on, on the club's official channels. Why, why not give them that, that day? Why not give the sport that much-needed sort of level in order for it to try and make a, another giant step? in in the forefront of people's minds and not have it the same time as Premier League games. And I tell you what, I think a lot of people have done some really decent work this week, Matt, in in trying to make that message apparent. I think there's a lot of voices out there who are a little bit despondent that this showpiece final, you know, isn't given the the billing that it deserves. I mean, it's it's baffling to me because, you know, it it shoots yourself in the foot. You think of the great work people have done um, in order to get this to where it is now. Why on earth would you want to yeah. sort of, you know, dilute all of that by putting it on the same day as Premier League fixtures and at a time when another football team kicks off? It, it doesn't make sense to me. But then, you know, going back to my initial point,
2: there's not much that
1: does at the moment in football broadcasting. <laughs> is there
2: is, is that something that is, you know, does this whole thing frustrate you as well, Pete, in in that regard that it's it sort of doesn't feel like it's given that the
0: bill that deserves absolutely i think. i think what one thing to bear in mind for, for everton in particular is we're-, we're quite lucky in a sense because we've got Sarah. she she does so much great you know match day coverage that um, even though we, we've not been able to go to the ground and, and actually experience it ourselves we've had Sarah there to sort of to, sort of help us along and and, and it's, it's been great for us supporters to be able to have that that sort of that sort of thing so but but in terms of having the game at the same time I'll personally be watching both so I'll have you know I'll, I'll have the, the cup final on obviously on you know on the, on the telly and I'll have the Newcastle game um on on the laptop so I'll be watching both but the FA Cup final takes priority for me this weekend I've got to, I've got to say um you know it's it's such a massive shame i feel i feel bad for for the evertonians who won't who won't be able to watch it now i feel bad for 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 evertonians who won't be able to see just how good how good our women's side are um but you know i I still have faith that that, that we're all going to get behind them and and hopefully they can they can do us proud
2: i don't know if it's i'm sure it's some frustration that everton feel as well sarah and you know as, as pete said there you know the coverage the and the access that you get is fantastic, and it's, it feels like it brings everyone closer to the team in that sense. And, and knowing the girls like you do, have, have any of them mentioned that, or any of them sort of sent, you know, put across that they're frustrated by the fact that it feels like they've been bumped a little bit to, you know, early afternoon on a Sunday.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think you know, every everyone involved with Everton Women, um, players, staff, you know, we're we're all frustrated by the fact that obviously it clashes with the men's game and that more hasn't been done so that that could be avoided you know as you said and Dave makes an excellent point why can't we have the big spectacle I know at the moment with no fans um, you won't have the traditional walking down Wembley way etc but you know the fact that it clashes and that uh, a substantial amount of of fans that would have been tuning in to watch our girls will be watching uh, the men's side face Newcastle instead perhaps and you know, it, it takes away that that opportunity for so many to get involved and get that first taste of Everton women. I mean, if you're not going to tune in to watch a, an FA Cup final with Everton involved, then, you know, there's no greater, greater introduction, I think, for a lot of people to our women's side. And unfortunately, yeah, a huge audience will have been deflected and taken away from them because not- of the fact it clashes.
2: That's the really frustrating thing, isn't it? You make a great point there because so many people, if they were playing on the Saturday, would have tuned in to watch this team for the the first time because, you know, people are still opening their eyes to women's football and, you know, and this team and what they're accomplishing and if it was on the Saturday... The club could have given it a big, massive build. They could have done loads of features, et cetera, et cetera. And people would have sat there and probably watched it. Ahead of, I don't know, whatever, you know, Burnley, West Brom or whatever's on on Saturday, three o'clock or whatever, you know, in that sense. People would have been fully invested in it. And, you know, like like Pete said there, I think a lot of people will sort of, if they've got the capability, will try and watch both at the same time. But I think we've all probably tried to do that. And we all probably know you can't really watch two games at the same time, can you? Especially when you're so invested in both the teams that are playing.
3: Yeah, definitely. Multitasking is, isn't one of my finest points, anyway. To be honest with you, so <laughs> I struggle with that. And I think being at Wembley, I, I, you know, I might have the odd glance to see how our lads are getting on, but I think I'm going to be fully invested at the time in uh, what's going on before me. But you know, that is a massive shame because, as well, myself, I obviously being a blue, I like to watch both games, um, and I, I hope that a lot of fans will we'll have both on and, and maybe are, are paying more attention to so our girls. The thing is, everyone's doing so well at the moment. Everton are at the top of the league. So every game's massive for us. The women are doing really well. It's a cup final. And yeah, it's just a massive shame. I feel that it is clashing and that more, I feel more could have been done. I don't see why the game couldn't have been played on a Saturday, more of a prime time spot. Um, I just hope, and Dave made the point as well, if you know, the pandemic, everything has kind of been going against women's football lately. And this is a huge, a huge uh, moment, a huge final at Wembley Stadium. And yeah, I just feel that more could have been done to make as big of an occasion uh, of this game as, as should be and could be.
2: Yeah, they should be shouting from the rooftops. Look at all the good work we've done to get this football match on. Not, not so sort of it in that sense. I don't know who decides this or whose decision is to put it there, but... Yeah, it is disappointing. Uh, just a couple of other factors in regards to, to the, the women's team before we have a chat about the match itself. Uh, it was announced on Wednesday that um, Everton women have signed a new multi-year principal partnership deal with Megafon, of course, uh, our LSU Usmanov's company, ahead of this weekend's Vitality Women's FA Cup final, to give it its full name here in the press release. <laughs> Digital and telecommunications company Megafon has expanded their deal with the club. In what is the biggest commercial deal in the women's team's history. As part of the agreement, Megafon will receive branding on the front of Everton's women's shirt, while mobile virtual network operator Yota, part of the Megafon group, will be added to the left shirt sleeve as well. Uh, so, a bit of a, a, a rebrand for the kit, a bit of a rejig going into the weekend. Uh, again, Dave, going back to, to what you were saying there, and how you know, this investment's becoming more and more important in the women's game, Everton seems to be head of the curve again and obviously Megafon were involved in the team before but it's you know, the club haven't released particular intricate details of what this new agreement is in terms of finances but it feels like Everton women are going to get a whole new load of backing going into this season Yeah and,
1: and it's it's another step in the right direction isn't it I mean like I, like I said a little bit earlier I don't think it costs an absolute fortune if you want to put your club's women's team at the, at the top of the pyramid here um, and with with that comes relative success, doesn't it? I mean, we, there's no mistake that the teams that are at the top of the scale right now in Arsenal, City, Chelsea—all um, all rich football clubs um, in, in general, not just the, the women's game—and they've obviously seen that there's huge opportunities here to be had if they put their finger in the pocket and uh, are able to invest in the women's side. Of the game as well, and Everton are willing to make that commitment, we've seen that now Um, I think we've seen a conscientious effort from the last 18 months, two years that they will step forward in in terms of trying to get the best players on board, You, Sarah and Pete will tell you a hell of a lot more than me, in terms of the star names that they've got at the football club now and they look like they're very much on that curve, hopefully in much the same way the men's team are, in, in trying to break that sort of monopoly that's been in the game for so many years, and that, that commitment, as we've seen from um, USM and, and, well, at least some of it, officially, I suppose, is, is finally now starting to show its face a little bit more in, in, this, um, in this capacity. It's great for the football club all around, isn't it, to see some income um, from a beneficiary coming into the football club and us trying to kick on with it, We're doing it, it seems, in the right way. Um, and I think any supporters of Everton women now, you look at this, and we've got. To, I think Sarah would tell us a bit more as well is about the um, supporters club as well, the official supporters club that's just uh, come on board as well. Everything looks like it's in place to make Everton a juggernaut in the women's game, and and I think it's absolutely superb because we've had some time in the wilderness. I think before the sort of influx of cast, before these players have started coming in, um, and before Willie Kirk certainly got a hold of this squad as well previous to that I think went, not so much in the doldrums, but the, the eye had shifted a little bit I think it certainly needed some fresh faces and fresh investments and lo and behold you've, you've done it the right way they haven't done it overnight they haven't done it by just splashing a load of money straight down they've actually done it by building a squad and um, with players of different class different versatility all over the world are coming to join this club now and you know, you look at this an FA Cup final. I guarantee you, right now, it'll be the first of many FA Cup finals and and silverware coming into the Finch Farm coffers.
2: Yeah, uh, encouraging in that sense. And and Pete Dave mentioned the supporters' the club there, and you know, you're you're very much involved in that yourself. And just quickly for anyone who missed the news this week, uh, Everton Women gained its first official affiliated supporters' club. And they're looking for fans to send in the messages and and get involved ahead of the FA Cup final this weekend. Uh, Just first and foremost, how how important is that official stamp? Because the supporters club has been going for, for a while now. It's obviously been quite active on Twitter. Why is that official link with the football club so important?
0: I think certainly well first of all Julie Macon is is the uh, is, is our chairperson and, and and she's she's really been been the focal point of this whole thing um for, for the past few years you know she, she I think she started going in 2007 um uh, or she started started the supporters club in 2007 I should say um she's she's been following the women's team for years um so it's it's all down to her hard work uh, that, that she's actually managed to get this this link with the club in terms of you know how how important it is I mean it it's having strong links with the club, certainly in times like this that you know that we're living through at the moment where, where you know we may feel a little bit cut off, we may feel a bit a little bit distanced. Having a special tie with the club is so massively important for any supporters and it and it's great. It's it's a great way to expand um and to and to get to get people to be aware of um of, of the, the official supporters club as well. Now now that we're official, it just um yeah it it just makes it a bit more You know. Official. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to think of another way though than official. (laughs)
1: Like me with me pyramids (laughs) tonight, (laughs) mate.
2: Yeah, so it's, that,
0: it, 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 it is all down to Julie's hard work. She's absolutely she's she's a you know fantastic person. Anyone who's been to watch the women's team over the last few years will have seen Julie. She got you know she she's normally there at every match. Um, she gets on with all the players She gets on with all the staff. She's just a, a really great person, a great representative for our yeah. for our football club as well. Yeah,
2: join uh, the sports club uh, maybe set up flares with Sarah Halpin at the games as we discussed last week. Uh, is that that's some <laughs> that part of one of the perks? And you set that up, Pete?
1: You'll be getting it in trouble here. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Listen, they, that was the first thing they said. Show us your hands, and if they're blue, it was you. So, <laughs> thankfully, I was on the wrong end of the pitch yeah. at the time, so they couldn't they couldn't pin that one on me this time. But we'll see going forward. Get a yeah. bit of pyro out, why not? Pyro, t-
2: pyro tutorials with Sarah Halpin yeah, part, part of the membership in that sense. Uh, uh, let's have a chat about the game then, Sarah. Um, obviously, Everton are underdogs going into this one. I think it's it's absolutely fair to say Manchester City are. A wonderful side. we have got a lot of fantastic players. Um, but I think Everton have got belief from that win over Chelsea in the quarterfinals in particular, uh, the way they played that day and the way they came from behind that day to, to win the game. Um, what, what's Everton's way home in this match, do you think? Who are going to be the players that, that are going to do the damage for us on the day?
3: I think what's so good about this Everton side now is that there's a number of players uh, that, that, that City are going to have to watch out for Obviously, you've got Valerie gavan who's one of the first ones who springs to mind the big French centre forward, who's been prolific since signing for Everton. She scored the fastest international uh, women's goal the other day when representing France on international. She scored after 10 seconds. Uh, we've seen her score many goals already for Everton, one of which was the... The winning goal in the quarterfinal at Goodison Park against Chelsea. She's a big game player. We know that she can deliver and she's just going to strike fear into the opposition. You've also got, of course, Lucy Graham, who we talk about a lot on this show, uh, the captain, who Scores in the big games as well. The other goal score at Goodison, she scored at Anfield, she scored at Ashton Gate previously in the competition. We've joked about the fact that she likes to score at big stadiums. Mm. So there's not really many bigger than Wembley. So she's going to be one to watch out for. You've got Simone McGill, Izzy Christiansen, you know Haley Rasso, uh, even players like Shani Boitelorca, lorca and, and players like Meg Finnegan. I was chatting to Meg yesterday. You know, she's a player that not only at the back has been fantastic uh, in defence, but She scored a lot of goals in pre-season, and she's not netted yet this season, and and she's a real threat. You know, we've got players like Izzy from dead ball situations, and you've got big Meg Finnegan running in on things. So, yeah, there's so many players in there that I feel could could do City harm. Um, Nico Sorensen as well, another one of the Hmm. new uh, Danish signings. You know, there's there's just so much talent in that squad. Uh, So... Although City are favourites, no doubt, and we're underdogs. Uh, certainly internally, we we definitely back ourselves to to go all the way.
2: Just just before we go on to pizza, quickly, you mentioned Gavan there. She's been been coming off the bench, hasn't she? In a lot of these games, she, she came off the bench in in the quarterfinal and the semi-final, as you mentioned there. Uh, do you think she'll start this one? Has she sort of got up to speed enough to be able to, to be in the starting eleven, or do you think Willie Kirk will stick with that formula of bringing her off the bench and they're doing damage later in the game?
3: I honestly don't know, and this is a conversation I've had, just you know, as as a fan with with other fans as well, and saying that, you know, obviously I don't know what Willie's going to do yet, and I'll try to to not nag him to, to <laughs> too much about his team choice, but um, I I actually really like Val coming off the bench. Um, I think when she starts, as long as she's on the pitch, like I said before, she's striking fear into the opposition. Uh, but I think we've got so much already in that side. Everton can kind of grind teams down the work rate of Simone McGill Haley Rasso and players like that the tenacity of them they can just tire teams out and then you think you've had to put up with them for however long and then you see Valérie Govan being substituted onto the pitch you know that that psychologically, psychologically for teams must just be devastating to have had to put up with the onslaught of, of Everton for so long in the game and then you've got half an hour or whatever with Valérie coming on and every time you get a corner um, the team breaks you just think she, you just fancies to score so yeah she she could do either you know I'd be happy to see her start and I'd also be happy to see her start on the bench so in that sense you know that 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 could be um, a real one for City to have to think about as well so it'd be interesting to see whether she does start
2: or not there we go a typical club employee sitting on the fence there uh, Pete, <laughs> Pete and Dave I'll, I'll ask you the same question how, how would you go Pete would, would Valerie Govan be in your start 11 on Sunday
0: I think to be honest again it, it depends on what willie Kirk what sort of system Willie Kirk wants to play i 'm probably going to sit on the fence a bit myself because but what in this at the start of the season when when valerie was was starting on the bench we we were relying a lot on Simone McGill hailey razzo and Izzy Christiansen and playing into like little pockets of space little triangles, really good one touch football um, and then Nico Sorensen was was putting some really good deliveries into the box as well from the left hand side uh Van offers something totally different shes she's um She's more. She. I wouldn't say she's a target. You know, she, She's not a. She's more of a traditional number nine, if you like. But she's an out-and-out goal scorer. You know, it's not just with her head. She's great with her feet as well. She's. She might not. She's probably not the fastest player in the squad, but her her vision and her and her footballing brain get her that extra yard. She's one step ahead of the defender. So it will be interesting to see how we how we. Um, who starts because it doesn't just change in terms of the, the personnel, it changed in terms of the system that we're going to be playing. So I say it just depends on on how Willie Kirk thinks the uh where City's biggest um you know damp- the biggest damage can be caused to City.
1: Dave? I, I think the, the biggest asset there, I think both the guys have mentioned there without fully committing. And I'm allowed to by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think what it, it indicates is that when you've got a versatile and flexible forward lineup, you can cause City much more problems. And I'd rather us go into this. Let, let, let's have a look at something else, really, that, that i want to discuss is you know, say you're coming up against Arsenal, say Manchester City are playing playing Arsenal. Who's going to be the main strike threat that you think we need to be on our game? If we can stop this person scoring, then Arsenal won't score and, and we should win this game and it'd be Medima. Um, and, and Everton have something a little bit different. That yes. With all due respect to, to Govan and everybody else that we have, Vivian Medem is the, probably the world's best goal scorer right now and, and striker. If City had a game plan, it'd be pretty straightforward for them to think, you know what, we just stop in and then we probably win the game here. With Everton, they seem to have different facets to an attack that can that can mix and cause you harm from from everywhere else around in and around the six yard box. And I I be I'd be tempted to to go with the initial approach and. and not just having one main focal point of the attack to begin with, because I think when the game goes on, then you can strike, then you can put you can put a lot more emphasis into one particular attacker. And then, like like Pete said, there, you, you, you know, a number nine type of player is going to havoc when you've got a tired set of legs at the back line. And I think that's what Everton will do. I think I think we'll start with that mix, you know, that blend of attacking players that if you don't know where the threat's coming from, and then when they're tired, then you know we, we throw on a main striker and hopefully reap the benefits of that and clinch the game later on. I, I, I don't think... I mean, it, it, it's, an, it's a classic underdog game, isn't it? And I think Everton will be comfortable with that because I, I feel as if that the... What I said before, in terms of the precipice that they're on right now, is they're going to be a real force in the WSL. But I, I still think that can wait a little bit longer. I think whilst we've still got the element of surprise and that, and that underdog factor, I think we can use that to our advantage. So I, I think they'll start with McGill and... And Rasso, and this sort of blend of attack and talent that we've got first, and then look to hit them later on in the end.
2: Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I just, I just think it's set up for them. It, it, it seems to have been on the agenda for a long time. I remember Willie Kirk earlier in the year saying we're going to go all out for the FA Cup. It just, the, the one fear I've got is Chloe Kelly. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Chloe is no doubt going to be
0: uh, yeah.
3: the, the, the one to watch out I didn't for.
2: Mean that. <laughs> <laughs> It's on Sarah to do that then.
1: Well, isn't isn't that <laughs> what we're meant to be these days, Evan? We're meant to be this bloodthirsty yes, this sort of physical
3: <laughs> side. Snidey her? Toffees. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's, it's not it's
2: not it's not just Chloe, is it? It's uh, yeah. than that, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah.
3: I'm gonna I'm gonna get onto her now and say, listen, watch out. No, uh, yeah, yeah. I think uh I think it is obviously Chloe is probably gonna be the main threat, but also players like Sam Muis, World Cup winner, Rose Lavelle you know players like Ellen White who hasn't even started uh, a lot of the games Um, she's the typical classic number nine who you you just fancy to score whenever she's on the pitch so they've got just countless players Lucy Bronze you know Alex Greenwood um,
2: and his captain as well what's that sorry F Horton as well
3: yeah this is it they've got they've got a fantastic squad of players Manchester City it's you know you look at Man City and they're almost the Lionesses. It's basically, I think they, they can start a full starting 11 of England senior internationals, um, which just tells you all you need to know about that side. Um, but what I think Everton maybe could have on City is the fact that even though we've brought in loads of new players over the summer when we saw a lot of outgoings, for me, we just look more of a unit. We just look more gelled. We look more cemented as a team. Um, I think at Manchester City, they're still kind of finding their feet in that sense. They're still trying to gel with a new manager, of course. That's obviously going to be a big factor. willie has been involved with the club now for, I think this is his third season. So, um, you know, they've got the the challenge of having a new manager as well as loads of new players, new kind of systems. So in that sense, I think Everton have slightly got the upper hand in that we seem more settled and together as a team. And if we can utilise on that, I think that, that goes an awful long way in games. We see it all the time. We've seen it with the men's team when on paper we've had the better side. We've had all these brilliant individual players, but Plucky, you know, I'm not saying we're Plucky Norwich or something like that, because this is obviously a fantastic side, Everton. But we'd see a team that was underdogs come to, to come to Goodison maybe. Uh, but because they were so up for it and so together, they knew if they could, could do that and bring the game to us, we, we'd kind of, Crumble a little bit, and if there's an aspect of that that we can exploit, then uh, I, I think we need to go for that as well.
1: Sid, so you mentioned a couple of those um, US stars, World Cup winners, and largely, you know, a lot of players that have come over um, to the WSL in, in terms of really making an impact. And I think that's that, that's brilliant for the game. Seeing that sort of <clears throat> those superstars play the trade in our league is brilliant, but. How, I know it's in the early days yeah, for some of them because they're on loan and things like that but how do you think they've found it so far? Like, so, you know, Tobin Heath and Mewis and Lavelle and, and Morgan as well, of course. Um, have they found it different to what they would have experienced back home, do you think?
3: Yeah, I think it will be, it will be massively different for them even just in the sense of <laughs> the weather and things like that. You know, the fact there's no fans in the stadiums at the moment, uh, the WSL is such a physical league as well and, I think the fact that you do get these mad results um there's more upsets I think it's quite although in the WSL you still see results where teams win 9-0 11-1 sometimes there's also these you know anyone can get a result against anyone kind of feel and I think that'll be a bit of a a strange one for them and uh but I've got to say from what I've seen of Heath so far and press they, they they have been fantastic and Um, Sam Mewis for me has been a standout performer uh, out out of the Americans that have come over still waiting to see uh, more of Alex Morgan but yeah Sam Mewis has been you know she's physically a really tall powerful player as well and I think she's bedded into the WSL and this style of football really really well um, and and she's definitely they're so confident as well Dave this is the thing with the Americans like I spoke to Chloe this was going back a few weeks ago now and um, I was asking her about the new American girls and she said even in training in the little in-house games, she'll be constantly talking to herself, like, you know, going, it's this score and da 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 like psyching herself up yes. all just talking to herself constantly through the session, like, even if it's just an in-house thing. So I think the Americans are naturally just super, super competitive. Um, so when they really do hit the ground running and find their feet, uh, yeah, I think, I think they'll really tear it up.
2: Well, hopefully there'll be no match for the Toffees on Sunday. Uh, predictions, how, how's it going to go, Dave?
1: One eleven. I think I think we'll see a traditional cup final. And and do you know what? There's so many similarities between this and with the last time Everton won a trophy in terms of the going in it as the underdogs. They've they've got attacking players who you can harm you in, in different sort of ways than, than the conventional sense. I think we'll keep it tight and I think we'll nick it at the end. I'm on
0: one nil. Peace. I'm going to go 2-1. Two, 2-1 one. Two, one, Everton. And Sarah? I think we got, oh. Yeah. 2-1
3: yeah. Everton as well. 2-1 uh, Everton, but a win. I'd take a win anyway. it came, to be honest. Just let's get that trophy.
2: Oh, yeah. Can't wait now. They're excited. Uh, yeah, I reckon they'll do it as well. I think they'll win 1-0. I mean, the Dave Downey comes, So, 2-1-0, 2 two ones ones there. Uh, but, yeah, let's change tack a, a little bit before we, we wrap up today. Um, obviously, the lads had a disappointing day at Southampton at the weekend. Don't want to talk about that too much because it was... All round, pretty rubbish, wasn't it? But uh, going forward, uh, Newcastle on Sunday, um, attention will turn to that. I'll I'll come to you first on this one, sir. Obviously, we're going to be about Luca Dean for for that game, even though his suspension was reduced, which is quite nice, Supposed all being a bit weird, the, the rationale given by the FA in regards to that. Um, so Everton are going to have a, a brand new left side potentially for this game, aren't they? How um, would how would you go on on that left-hand side if you you Carlo Ancelotti? Is it a case of just dropping in, in Kunku and Gordon into that to keep faith with you There's there's a few decisions to make there, isn't there?
3: I think for me, yeah, there is a few decisions to make in that sense. But I think, I think you've just said it there. I think for me, you go with Nkunku and with Anthony Gordon as well. Uh, Iwobi, unfortunately, I think struggled a little bit to make his impact on the game at Southampton, which he'll be frustrated with, uh, no doubt. But when Gordon came on, I think he looked you know, one of the brighter sparks in a sense of where there wasn't many for Everton on the day, of course. I think Gordon was one of those positives for us. So on that basis, I think you don't drop him. I think uh, you let him get the start. And also with Unkunku, he is that that the natural replacement. He's, he's a left back and he's also looked very good, hasn't he, when he's played. And He might offer uh, Newcastle something to have to think about. Luka Dean, we're no doubt going to miss him, but Nkunku, We've, we've been massively impressed with him in what we've seen so far. So I think, yeah, give him give him and Gordon the the run out and the, the, let's see what they can do.
2: I think that the interesting thing about Kungu for me, is sort of, you know, we've seen what he can do going forward in those matches against, you know, lower league opposition in the the cup. But I think, if you think back to that West Ham game, actually, that's probably the one I imagine which would give the manager most confidence going into this game because he was quite disciplined that night, wasn't he? And... Didn't go forward quite as much. He was up against a potentially awkward opponent in Yarmolenko, and he he dealt with him pretty well. So perhaps that game more than the ones we saw where he was like a a runaway train down that left flank will give Carlo Angelotti more belief that he can just drop him into this Premier League atmosphere.
0: Absolutely, and I think that's that's the crucial thing for you. Any young player coming through is that you you can't get car- too carried away and just start bombing forward every every couple of minutes. You know you've got you've got to be disciplined, and you've got to you've got you're a defender first and foremost. If you're a left back, you're a defender first and foremost. That's your job. Um, it's it's nice that he's got that little bit extra that he can go forward and and, and go on the overlap and, and and be really dangerous in that final third. But yeah, you're right. You know the, the West Ham game will will give us confidence that he can he can also do that job which he's there to do, which is defend. Um but yeah, I've got I've got every faith in him. I think I think I'm more worried about the right hand side to be honest with you, but we'll probably yeah. get to that in a bit.
2: <laughs> yeah well you were you were nodding there, Dave. Is is that a concern for you? Obviously we don't know whether Seamus or, or John Joe Kenny are gonna be fit for this game yet, but um it was a concern, wasn't it, at the weekend? Yeah, it was.
1: It, it, it Carlos surprised me uh, a little bit with that to be honest with you, because it, I think a lot of people spotted this before the game started and yes, I think we can have a lot of faith in, in Godfrey from how he started that Merseyside derby and, and, and largely how he conducts himself. I think he's a very mature head on young shoulders but nonetheless I think in that game at Southampton they, they Arsene Hootle would have had a meeting before this to talk about that position on the pitch simply because you've got Hames, who is is an issue defensively not in, in no regard other than that because he's, he's a world-class footballer and we don't want him anywhere near our own half but the Whilst if there's an understanding with him that he's not going to cover or he's not going to get back, and I don't believe that is the case because I I think we've seen in fits and starts that he will get back if you you ask him to. Um, I think he will stretch his legs and I think he will try and help help out defensively. By no means do I think he's – it's a cliche, isn't it? I think when you get players like that that all they want to do is be on the ball and won't do anything else for the team. I don't believe Hammers is like that. But whilst that thought and whilst that notion is in – the front and center of people's minds, I do feel as if Godfrey struggled simply because there wasn't a natural sort of sweeper in front of him, like a Richarlison would have been if he was fit, or even Bernard when he come on, give him a little bit of extra cover, and um, when, when he switched sides, Gordon the same. Uh, you're not going to get that from a Wobie either if he was to play on the right. So, I I think that's a concern for, for us going forward. And um, if you look at who and Coon, who's going to be coming up against if he's the one who gets the nod. It's uh, St. Maximan, and he's been one of the revelations at Newcastle and, and pretty much in the he Premier been on League. On the right, he I, think, I
2: thought he played off the left, but I'm not entirely
1: He switches but... sides, which yeah. is a, real, it's, it's a really difficult thing to handle because it's hard monitoring them either side. But, I mean, it'll be his biggest test so far if he does wander over to Nkunku's side um, because, look, we've, he looks like a revelation, this kid. I get really excited when I watch him. One thing we haven't seen as much simply because we've been involved in attacking games with him is how good he is defensively. Now, I'm not in a position to judge. I can't say either way if he's good or not. And from what we've seen in the tiny glimpses we've seen when he's had to defend, he's been absolutely fine. I can't have a bad word to say about him. But you're going up against one of the Premier League's real you know whippets and uh, when we play Newcastle as well, with with regardless of what side he goes on. So if it's Godfrey on the right or Nkunku on the left, they're going to have their hands full and more importantly they're going to need uh, support from the two players that play in front of them. I have more confidence in Anthony Gordon than anybody else, um, regardless of what side that is, to be able to do a shift. I think the one thing you get from him is he just was desperate to make an impact when he came on Gordon, wasn't he? Wanted the ball so much, wanted they fed into feet, looking to link up with everybody and generally try and get us going and get a goal back. Um, I'm not too sure how confident I am in everybody else that we have in stock um, for those wide positions, so I hope Carlo's been focusing on that. Uh, I hope it's been one of the main takeaways from that Southampton game in that, yes, Godfrey might well be a better right-back than Seamus Coleman in the future. But for right now, he can't do that job on his own. I don't think anybody can when you're coming up against decent pedigree-wide players. So I hope that's an area we've looked at in terms of either getting Hammers back there and asking him to do that extra shift, which, of course... We don't want him to because it negates his attacking threat. We want him up the pitch. Does, well, there's delta the
2: his fitness as well, of course, isn't there?
1: Yeah, but even even if he plays, which, you know, like you say, it may a little bit 50-50 if he does, can we afford to put him maybe even a little bit more central so somebody else can go in front of a Godfrey to try and give us that cover against some fast players that we're going to be coming up against? And Newcastle, Newcastle by sort of agenda anyway, Matt, they, they are a box of tricks. They're really, really difficult to pin down. You don't know what Newcastle you're going to get. So this is a really interesting game for me.
2: Yeah, I think, it, I think it'll be a different game to Sunday. I think they're not going to try and squeeze high up the pitch like Southampton did. When I've watched them this season, they've just been all... I think depressed. they'll give
1: us most of the ball, Matt. I think they'll yeah, give us yeah. most of the ball. But, but think,
2: they, they, they are lethal on the counter. Yeah, but they, I, don't, I don't even know if they're that. I've just seen them scab loads of goals from free kicks and penalties all season, to be honest. like Every time I've watched them and they've got a result of four, it's bloody hell, they were lucky there. Like, like Tottenham, they got a draw, I've got no idea. Wolves battered them last weekend and they managed to scab a point in that game as well with a, a scrappy free kick. It just feels like they're not very good, but they seem to, to find a way to, to get results. But I think like, I think you're right, I think we'll have most of the ball. And in that sense, it would be a massive help if we had John Joe Kenny, because he's got that, he knows how to play defensively as a full but he gives you that whiff and a, a better delivery than yeah. someone like Godfrey.
1: That, that midfield area, I expect us to batter them. Um, I, I think we should have far too much muscle in there and if look I, I think Alan you can say he had one last week Alan I thought he looked he looked about 45 if I'm honest in, in that midfield area but he's a loud one isn't he I think if he comes back fresh after a week training and, and sort of regrouping him alongside the core he should have far too much for
2: Newcastle in midfield We're just just I wanted to finish on that very quickly doing subs weekly last night and um, Jake, Paul and Ben all sort of suggested they wouldn't be surprised to see Fabian Dell starting midfield in place of um Gomez or Sigurdsson in that position on the left hand side. I mean I'm, I'm I'm not touching that one. I'll leave that one there. I mean what, what 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 do you guys think of that as a suggestion? Um Sarah, I'll come to you first on that.
3: Um I was to be honest, it's it sounds bad, but he's he's a player that I sort of forget about recently. Um we've not seen too much of him. So when we saw him come on on uh, Sunday I was like, oh, Delph, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, I'd probably expect it to be, is, is Gomez expected to be fit, is he?
2: Yeah. Um, I, I, think, think, I think the way they were sort of talking about it last night, they were sort of saying, if Kunku's going to leg it up that left-hand side, maybe having someone who's got legs playing as the left of the midfield three might be, be helpful. He could sort of drop back into that space and cover a little bit.
3: Yeah, well, you know what, that, that could well be the, the answer, uh, potentially, for Sunday's game with, with these injuries that we've got at the moment. I mean, it's one of those now when, because of the manager that we've got, whatever start eleven I see, I just kind of go, yeah all right then fair enough like you know even if i'm thinking oh maybe i wouldn't have done that i'm going it's carlo ancelotti isn't it so <laughs> if he if he wants to play delph then i'm i'm happy with that i just hope that we bounce back as you said it was a really disappointing result last week and and a disappointing performance as well and and maybe we didn't get things right but um i'm sure this time around ancelotti will be desperate to to bounce back so yeah whatever team he sees fit let's just hope they go out and get the win yeah
2: uh, what about you, Peace? I think that that midfield—it's interesting that midfield position, isn't it? Because it feels like Alan Decore are, are settled and are going to play every game in there. But that that third one—it could be Gomez, Sigurdsson, Davis, Delphi, It feels like it's very much up for grabs that spot.
0: Absolutely, and it, it the longer sort of—I think I think Andre Gomez has had has had a fair crack at the whip now. I think he's he's. It was obviously a struggle for him, just after you know after the lockdown, so you know coming back from his injury and to try and find his form again. Um, obviously, uh, Carlos looked at, at potentially bringing Sigurdsson in into that position again. He's another player who I, I believe has, has had enough chances at Everton now. Um, I mean, one player who who may have been written off by by a lot of people and possibly myself as well, who could play in that position is Alex Iwobi. Um, because I know that we've sort of been judging him from a wide position but certainly from from the attributes that he does has does have I believe he, he you know he'd suit more of a central role anyway or one of those midfield three positions um, and you know I, I'm not quite ready to write him off completely just yet and I, th- I feel like that is a position that he could p- potentially um, slot in and do very well in um, I, I would hope so anyway to put it that way I hope he do he, he would do better there than on the wing
2: <laughs> yeah yeah uh... Oh, well, God, yeah, absolutely, certainly, going off the weekend. Uh, I don't know, Dave, just, just finally on it, be, it's, it feels like that performance of the weekend, well, certainly the 20, 25 minutes before he got brought off at of the weekend, was just so haphazard and, and careless and you know, lacking in intensity that it feels like it was enough to probably drop him down the peck and order a couple of spots.
1: Yeah, I, I, think he,
2: I think he ran out of tricks, to be honest with you, because he, he kept on trying to play them all
1: the time, rather than just giving a neat ball to Luka Dean to put a cross into the box. I mean, we've done the basics really, really well so far this season and and I think he complicated things on that side. I do agree with Pete, though. I think in in a more central role, I think he's a completely different player. Um, Whether he'll get that opportunity or not, given the talent we've got in there, remains to be seen. But, you know, it it emphasises the position that we're in, doesn't it? Because now we're looking at squad players and, and rotating them and seeing which one's the best that we need to come in. Last season, we had to rely on these guys, so. I'd like to see, you know, some sort of lifting competition. We've seen it in the games where they've had to come in so far up until that Southampton game and everybody was fine. You know, Delph, I don't have a I don't have half a problem with Delph playing as I used to, and um, because he's shown that he's willing to try and fight for a, a shirt in this side and do a job if he's asked to do one. Owobi, I think you're looking at somebody he was the next cab off the rank. He now goes to the back of the pecking order, and we try somebody else. That that that's how good sides work, isn't it? When you've got options available, you you try your best to choose the best one. Um, and and the you know he had so much of the ball that was the frustrating thing for me. He had he must have had more of the ball than anybody else in our team, apart from the two midfield players who were giving it to him. You know, and and lo and behold, I think Hassan Hull did a great job of shepherding the ball out that way, rather than towards Hammers, who would cause havoc. Um, And and I think that's where Southampton played us really well. I I do feel as if this Newcastle game requires a little bit more of outside-the-box thinking here. Um, We went rightly to Southampton with a game plan in mind that suited us and we weren't going to relent in terms of trying to beat them at our own game. Southampton caught us cold in many ways, and I'll say it probably tactically outplayed us um, for most of that game. I think that might well have changed Carlo's plans in how he looks at these certainly away fixtures coming up, thinking, do you know what? And you said it earlier in the week, Matt. Teams are starting to take notice of us and put extra emphasis on how they stop us now because we have such a a really good, potent goal output. And you look at what they did to Rodriguez in in sort of negating his threat by not getting in the ball so much. You look at him, them channeling the ball to Awobi all the time. Everton's arguably least important threat on the pitch, then teams will start doing the home against us, so we have to think of different ways and um, the good thing is that we've got options though, and these, these lads now look like they're willing to step up to the mark rather than you know go hard in, in the middle of games, which they did last season. so it, this, is, this will be a tricky one this and, and it'll, it'll require some thinking.
2: Yeah, uh, it could be an interesting game. That uh, feels like it's dead important that they bounce back with a win. Uh, we are out of time today on the weekly show. Uh, just before we wrap up finally, Sarah, you're going down to Wembley this weekend, going to be there for that match on Sunday. What's, what's the plan Out When are you heading down? Who are you going with? Where do you stay? And all that sort of thing.
3: Um, I'll be fortunate enough to be with the team. So I'm meeting up with the team on Saturday uh, at St George's Park. And then we're heading down to London uh, to... Yeah, to stop over and then prep for when uh, Wednesday. Pre- for... <laughs> See, it
1: might as well be on a Wednesday the way the FA have handled. Well, it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, forgive me. Forgive me. I must have just uh expected that from them. No, but uh no, I can't wait for Sunday and uh I'll be there with the team and hopefully uh be able to celebrate with them afterwards as well. Um yeah, I think it'll all become a lot more more real once I uh, link up with the team again and uh, yeah I'll just try not to get too too involved and try and be giving them like big duncan Ferguson style uh you know Speeches about going and winning that trophy of the veins bursting out of I me neck and I I, I'm gonna have to just keep my head down. I think, and uh... I think,
1: I think <laughs> Manchester, just, go, just go nuts, go nuts, just
3: go nuts. I'll get it. Yeah, he's right,
0: he's right. Get both. I think, think everyone's gonna do all the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just send <laughs> <censorium> Sierra <laughs> for a pre match scene, though.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. Re-recorded one. I'll be, uh, keeping an eye on you, sir. After what you said about Chloe, there anyway, or what Dave said about Chloe. Agent <laughs> 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 and that says. Have, have, you got, have you got an FA Cup final song, sir? Does that happen anymore?
3: You know what? Like we were saying, it would have been good to have maybe even re-recorded the Spirit of the Blues with like changing it to girls, and obviously instead mm-hmm. of Goodison Park, Walton Hall Park would be in. But you know, we didn't get it done, did we? Didn't have the didn't have the time or whatever. I don't know. Maybe if that would have been it, amazing.
2: That would have been. not it have been great?
3: And I know that the girls would have been right, well up for it as well. Definitely, right. Your, your
2: task then, Blue Room is setting you a task. If if you win on Sunday, yeah, get on, yeah, Twitter and and do a video of that of them singing it. That's that's what you want to see.
3: Right. That's a that's a Sarah promise. A Sarah <laughs> be, the true promise. <laughs> it needs to be if,
1: if they win it if you win it it's got to be on like a white label LP if they win it
3: it's got to be hasn't it got to be got to be Absolutely. now let's, let's make this happen We're gonna, yeah. it's going to get that to number
2: one and that's a Sarah promise I love that and that
3: <laughs> is a Sarah promise you <laughs> know that what that's, that means
2: yeah uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap up there uh, thanks very much have a great time Sarah send uh, us <laughs> the best much. of luck from us as well uh, cheers to Peas and Dave of course as well that's been your weekly show here on The Blue Room. We'll be back again same time next week, hopefully reflecting on Windsor over Manchester City. I went over Newcastle as well, I uh, will speak to that. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to amazon.com apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.